going to start on a series that I hope will be much more than educational, but it will be something that would change your and my life. There's nothing fancy about the series of sermon. You might see it as a downer. I hope not, because where sin is dealt with, there is actually grace and freedom and joy. Uh, I've had the opportunity to think about all these sins because uh, I want to look at it in my own life. Especially this week, uh, I had the privilege of studying myself in the area of gluttony. Because uh, I got soul food for this week and I discovered as to how it's so easy to eat more than what you need to. So I've been looking at all these in my own life. And so I'm going to teach you from the Word of God. Nothing personal. And if you find some of this resonating with your own life, praise God for it. Because the day you call sin, sin, is when there is a change that's possible. The worst thing you can do for yourself is be in denial. And so uh, let's look at some of this. The sin of pride is the worst of all sins. The reason is, it will make you believe that other sins in your life are not all that bad. It is the king of sins. Now when we talk about sin, uh, I hope you realize, we're talking of what's wrong in our lives as human beings, right? Do you know that the sin of pride pre-existed before man. Man was not the first person to sin. And I want to make that point because I want you to take the sin of pride this seriously because sin, before it was in man, it was in Satan, Lucifer. So let me read to you from Ezekiel chapter 28, because unless you know the root of where this problem comes from, you might not take it all that seriously. This is what the prophet Ezekiel talks about. Lucifer says, You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, you sinned, again talking about Satan, Lucifer. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you. Verse 17, your heart was proud because of your beauty. Notice what's the first observation made. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. Listen to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. And you're going to find a common theme between what was said about Lucifer and the problem of pride in each of us. And Isaiah says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. 
I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. When I read that, those verses from Isaiah, what's the word that kept coming up? I. If you want to know about pride, you will discover it's all about I, me, myself, what I want, how do I want to be perceived by others. And so this morning, I'm hoping that God would speak to your and my heart about the issue of pride. As I said, it is the most deceptive, it is the most violent of sins. It destroys not only the person, but the community where the person is. And most of all, uh, it covers for all other sins and does us wrong. Let me give you a DNA of what pride is. A couple of things. Number one, I hope you realize it is a spiritual force. It's not a personality disorder. Uh, it is evil. And so that is why you and I should be able to call sin, sin, because uh, we're not getting personal about each other. We have a DNA of sin that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Satan. And unless you look at it as a spiritual evil, you will not treat it as it's required. What's my point? What is spiritually evil has to be countered by something spiritually good. If it belongs to Satan, it's only God who can counter it. So as we go through this series, I'm going to give you an antidote for each of these sins. An antidote or a medicine is, it's like if you get bit by a poisonous snake, you've got to take the venom, the antidote for it, to live. And so as much as I'm going to talk to you very clearly about pride, I'm also going to show you from Scripture how to deal with pride. But unless you see this as deadly serious, uh, most of us would just tolerate it. It is a spiritual force. It is evil. Secondly, it is very subtle. And I think this is the greatest danger of pride is we sometimes don't recognize it. I say we sometimes even celebrate it. Let me give you some examples from our own culture. Uh, even as a nation, you can sometimes be proud. Uh, you'd hear it being said very often, sometimes with good intentions, but we are the greatest nation of the world. Who decided that? Does God think so? Maybe God might see one of these poorer countries that don't have their act together as the number one nation of the world. Now I know what we're trying to do. We just kind of drum up our emotions and our feelings. But at some point, that is pride. How about those car stickers that you find on some of our cars? My child is an honor student. My child is not an honest student, so how should I feel? Or my child goes to this prep school. What about all the other kids who didn't make it to prep school? And I could go through a list of things that actually 
border on arrogance. And so the subtlety of pride is sometimes we don't think it's all that bad. And that is great danger. Thirdly, the DNA of pride is it's always looking for attention. It's about me. It's about me, it's about my opinion, it's what I think, it's the way I want it. I, 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 and I. That's what Lucifer said. I will ascend to the holy hill, I will do this, I will do that. And so you've got to ask yourself, when you are not the focus of attention, how do you feel? And we'll talk more about it, but at the heart of the DNA of pride is, it is self-worship. And if you look at our culture today, forget the church. It's all about self, isn't it? Even the phrase, you can do whatever you want. You can become whoever you want. No, you can't do whatever you want. You can't become whoever you want. That's not reality. But we have a culture which makes us feel it's all about me. It's all about us. Fourthly, and this is all the more subtle, in its distortion, pride takes two forms. One kind of a proud person will make himself or herself known. You'd easily recognize that person. Uh, he, he or she draws attention. He or she makes it all about themselves. They're bragging. They're, in different ways, they make themselves known. Another kind of pride is the kind of person who goes into deep self-pity. Poor me. Look at all that's happening to me. Even if they don't verbalize it, uh, they go into a negative tantrum as to how life is not unfair. Uh, I don't have what other people have. In some ways, that is also a kind of pride because it comes back to the same thing. Who is the attention on? On me. So be careful of both kinds of pride. One is that very confident, arrogant kind that says, it's all about me. And the other kind of pride that says, I wish it was more about me. And in either way, uh, that is dangerous. Let me show you what pride can do. And I, I put it in the bulletin for you in the sermon notes so that I don't want to take much time. It is so obvious what pride can do. Pride leads to prayerlessness. And I want to touch that verse, but come back to it in a bit. Pride is what leads to conflicts. Pride is what leads to arguments. Pride is what leads to conflicts. Pride is what leads to gossip. Why would I say something bad about someone else to a third person when I don't have the courage to say that to the person directly? Because... I feel I've got an opinion to say, and I'm going to say it irrespective of what it does. That's gossip. It actually comes from a place where you might feel you're better off than the other person. And so you have an opinion to share. Pride is very deceptive. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful beyond all things. We've already talked about it. Pride makes self-boast. It's all about talking my accomplishments. What have I done? Who am I? And there's a very subtle way of doing it. We're smart enough in this society not to be brazen about it. But there are different ways of showing off, isn't there? 
pride also leads to bringing shame. And pride precedes a fall. Let me read to you a couple of verses from Proverbs 18.12. Before destruction, a man's heart is proud or haughty. And humility comes before honor. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction. A proud spirit before a fall. Now it affects, as I said, every area of our life. But let me come back to why we don't pray. The reason we don't pray enough is not because we don't believe in prayer. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. A great verse. It's a verse of promise. God says, if you pray, if you do 1, 2, 3, and 4, I will do 1 and 2. And we've looked at this verse before, but I want to show you something that precedes prayer. Let me read it to you, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Good news. God says, if you do this, this, and this, I will forgive your sin and heal your land. Now, very often we say, you know what? If only we prayed. If only we repented. What happens before you pray? Look at that verse. If my people who are called by my name do what first? Humble themselves. In other words, where there is no humility, you will not even start to pray. Why don't we pray? You know, the truth is, let's be absolutely honest, we feel we can do it by ourselves. Whether it be church, whether it be family, as people, we feel, you know what, if I try hard enough, and after all, I, you know, it's not all that bad. That's pride. That's arrogance. You know, that's one of the reasons I love going visiting mission fields. These poor people, guess what? They have absolutely nothing. They have no one to turn to. They have nothing to start with. But guess what they know to do better than you and I? They know to pray. Because the only thing that they can count on is God landing up for them. And I think one of the scourges of our society today is we are a little too smart for ourselves that we don't realize how desperately we need God even in the simplest of things. So why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray collectively more? I'll tell you, I think I've been long enough in ministry I know myself also. Why don't I pray more? I think it's an issue of pride. Pride leads to confidence. Pride leads to arrogance. Pride goes to that same theme and mantra, I, 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 I. And when I is killed, we will pray. And so I hope you realize what's the root for some of these things. It is pride. It is so subtle that we have placed our confidence mostly in ourselves. 
I wish we could do a kind of a checklist score. It's like going to the doctors. Given your blood, you'll know your cholesterol, your blood pressure, and all that stuff. Uh, And I hope you look at yourself with the Word of God, with the Spirit at work. How are you doing in the area of pride? Are you a proud person? How bad is the sin in your life? I hope you do that for yourself. No one else needs to do it for you. Ask God to reveal if this is a disease, uh, if this is so chronic. And sometimes it can be so chronic, you believe you don't have the problem of pride. That's how vicious it is. Let me give you four indicators of what is a possible way of measuring yourself. One is you have a very high view of self. I want to draw a distinction between a healthy self-esteem in Christ and pride. Big difference. In Christ, you are an amazing person. In Christ, you're royalty. In Christ, you are kings and queens. And I hope you feel good about that. I hope you feel thrilled that in Christ, you're a new person. That is good, healthy, spiritual self-esteem. Anything outside that is pride. You are good only to the extent you are in Christ. Anything other than that is you have a high view of yourself. And in the eyes of God, it really doesn't matter. Here's another way to know whether there is pride in our lives or not, and that is how you view others' worth or other people's value. One of the easiest ways you can figure out who you are, first of all, is uh, in the light of God's Word. That itself should be very revealing. But another way to check yourself out is how do you view other people? I so distinctly remember at the convention sitting there watching and enjoying all of this. And I looked across and looked at some other people sitting there and poor, not as well dressed as I uh, or you. Uh, Most of them haven't even finished high school. And I was thinking to myself, their net worth When I say net worth, it means total up in dollars everything you own. Okay, do that in your mind if you want. Uh, Your total net worth, figure out a figure for yourself, how much do you own? So if you own a car and its value is $7,000, total that up. If you have a house, total that up. Put your total, all the clothes you wear. If you have any money in the bank, total that whole amount up. Uh, If you have education, give it a monetary figure. If you've done high school, if you've done college, give it a monetary figure. Net worth, okay? So you have a net worth. I would say the net worth of material, goods, knowledge, everything, of the average person there, my guess is no more than three or $4,000. That would be high. And I so distinctly remember getting that feeling sitting there watching these people, God turning to me and saying, Joe, 
you realize these people are much more worthy to me than you? And I had no hesitancy saying, that's absolutely fair, God. Absolutely fair. But how do you view other people? And that's the question I'm going to ask you. How do you view other people who may not belong to the same socioeconomic status as you? Do do you give them high worth? They may not be as educated as you. Do you give them high worth? They may not live in a house like you, drive in a car like you. Do you give them high worth? And I'll give you some indicators of how, whether you do give them high worth or not. And if you don't, I think it's an issue of pride. Where you think of yourself better than the other person. As I said, one good indicator is how you treat other people. How you treat other people says more about yourself than them. Let me give you, throw out some challenges to you. How do you talk to people? Do you engage eye to eye, heart to heart uh, in a conversation that makes the other person feel, you know what, you're worth my time. I'm thoroughly enjoying time with you. You mean a lot to me. Or are you absent-minded when you talk to people a little lower than you? How about another one? Do you listen to people when they're talking to you? Proud people don't listen to other people. In fact, proud people are listening just to get the chance to speak again. Ever met people like that? Before you can finish their sentence, they've already got a response and you haven't heard what I said. And again, that's all about me. I. So proud people uh, don't listen too well. Here's another one of how you treat other people's worth. Are you willing to learn from other people? Or do you consider yourself so knowledgeable, so smart, that you just want to be the one who teaches, but you don't want to learn? Do you know that you can learn from children? But unless you pay attention to them, unless you spend some time with them, unless you enjoy them, unless you have an open mind to say, you know what, this other person can actually put worth into my life, you usually don't spend too much time. That's how you know how you give worth to other people, how you treat other people. And if you have not made life about other people, at the heart of it, it is pride. There's no, it, pride is so arrogant, so deceptive. It can make you feel that, you know, you're such a great person, you have so much to contribute What it doesn't tell you is you're basically so full of yourself. It is is sick. And it will bring you down. The proud, God brings down. The humble, he lifts up. Because I have a feeling whenever God sees pride in you and I, do you know who it reminds you of? 
Satan. It's the sickest, the worst of all sins. And he will deal with it. Fourthly, here's another way to know whether you have pride or not. And the worst is over. I'm done with pride in a bit. I'm going to come on to some happy stuff. How you deal with criticism tells a lot about whether you're a proud person or not. And it has nothing to do with the content of what you were criticized. It's your reaction to criticism. So let me play some things that I myself sometimes role play when I get criticized. Someone comes and tells you something that's not nice. And your first reaction is, who is this person to tell me that? Pride. Who cares who that other person is? I don't want to hear it. That's pride. Or you, it goes through your mind, is that all that this person could say? Yeah, that's all this person had to say. That's all you needed to hear at this time. Or you say to yourself, I know that person so well. Who is he or she to tell me? I can tell them a couple of things about them. Again, it's pride. Here's another form of pride, and that is, uh, even if I don't, respond well to criticism, the question you should ask yourself is, are you a critical person? You have an opinion on a lot of things. You have a suggestion on every other thing. You have comments on a lot of stuff. And most of it no one asked for. (laughs) Think about it. and You don't have to think about it, but ask yourself, First of all, you might recognize people like that, but then ask yourself, why do I have an opinion on some things? Why do I criticize some things? Even if I don't say it, why does it go through my mind? Why am I quick to correct even? And I think at the end of the day, we have a feeling our opinion really matters. No, it doesn't. And that's because we Think too highly of ourselves. And so, if you don't do well with criticism, and it's not about whether what's said was right or wrong, it's your response to the person uh, that's unhealthy. And if so, I would suggest to you, pride is a problem. If you have a very critical spirit, if you're not generous with other people in spite of what they do, it's pride. So what is God's response to pride? And this is what I want you to see. Let me read to you from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 17. Proverbs 6. There are six things that the Lord hates. Hate is a strong word. There are some words in my family you're not allowed to use. Hate is one of them. Don't say I hate something. You can say I don't like something. Hate, too strong a word. 
There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. If you can't use the word hate, forget about abomination. And here God says that there are some things that are an abomination. In other words, it's sick, it stinks, get it out of here. That's what abomination is. And he says, listen to them, haughty eyes or proud eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. You know what God's response to pride is? He hates it. Hates it with a vengeance. Can't stand it. And his commitment to those who are proud, he says, I'll bring you down. I'll bring you down like I brought Lucifer down. He hates it. I'm done preaching on pride. Because I don't want to leave you this morning just telling you about the horrible nature, the deadly nature of sin. That's not going to do you any good. But I do hope you'll consider for yourself whether pride has come into your life and taken root. Because what it does is it, it filters into other areas of your life. And you're going to be in denial about other sins in your life when the truth is pride is what controls it. So God's response to pride is, it's an abomination, get it out of here. God has a cure for pride. The antidote for pride is humility. All through scripture, you would find God's word coming to you and I saying, be humble. You know, and sometimes we read these passages of scripture and we say, okay, I'm going to be humble. That doesn't work. As much as I can tell you, don't be proud, it's not going to work. So let me suggest to you that some things you and I need to practice. Whenever I hear the word practice, I think of a bygone name, Alan Iverson. Remember that basketball guy? He was a talented guy, but didn't know how to play with a team. And someone asked him one day at a press conference, are you going to practice with the team? And the infamous interview is, he just laughed at the whole word practice about 22 times. Practice? Practice? Here's what practice actually does. Practice actually makes you a better person. You just have to do some things over and over again. And when it comes to humility, God's word tells us to practice it. And I'm going to give you some suggestions. But let me read to you just 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, turn to there. It's a good passage of scripture. I'm not going to read all of it. But I want you to see as to how in scripture we're told to do some things. That's what I love about the Word of God. Sometimes you only hear preachers telling you what not to do. That's the easy part. Uh, the tough one is to do what's godly. And Peter hears Peter here in one Peter chapter, Second Peter chapter one, he says, uh, pick up on verse five. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. Self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, 
And the list keeps going on and on. In other words, do some of these things. Look at the last verse, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Practice these things. Do these things. So let me give you a few recommendations as to how to deal with pride. I have four suggestions to you. Uh, All of them I do think will work. And I hope that's why I said at the start of the sermon, uh, I hope this is not about knowledge. I hope this is more about character, godly character that you have to work with God because otherwise the sin will destroy you. Number one, start with God. Empty yourself of self before God. Someone smarter than you and I did that. You know who that was? Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Great chapter of how it talks about how Jesus emptied himself of all his glory. Came onto earth to become a man. To serve and die for us. Jesus gave up all of himself. Think about it. On this earth he could have snapped a finger and got people into place. Didn't do that. Emptied himself. Uh, May I encourage you to get into a habit of emptying yourself before God. Yes, God has blessed you. You're marginally smart. Let's credit all of us that that kind of a status. Uh, Praise God for that. Praise God for all that God's blessed us with. But what you and I need to do is go before the Lord, lay it before the Lord, and tell God over and over again, it's not me, God. It's you working in me. If there's anything good in me, God, oh, you're the God who's allowed it to happen, do it regularly before the Lord. If someone says something nice about you, if you do something well, you know what you should do? Run to God, lay it at God's feet and say, God, I'm so thrilled you're so kind, but for your grace, it wouldn't be that way. Keep emptying yourself. That's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking to him. He said, I must decrease and you must increase. And if you can't do number one, forget about all the other things I'm going to suggest to you. But I wonder if you have that habit of going to God every day regularly and saying, God, it's not me, it's all you. You know, sometimes in America, we tend to fall into a trap which says, you know, all that I have is because I worked hard for it. We sometimes even brag about how hard we've worked, how much we've sacrificed. Oh no, it's, there are lots of other people, millions of people all over the world who work harder than you and I. They don't have one-tenth of what we have. It's the grace of God. Remind yourself, but most importantly, go and lay it at the feet of God. A proud person would find it very difficult to at least credit God. That shouldn't be difficult. What's the problem giving God all the credit? So number one, empty yourself before God. 
Here's something that I think we don't do enough. We don't do that enough, but uh, I think that's a good cure if you struggle with pride. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Talks about praying, but I find it very interesting that tied to prayer and healing is the habit of confessing your sins to one another. Now you could probably think, you know what, I've already confessed it to God. Why confess it to someone else? Oh, that's part of church life. You confess partly because you can have someone hold you accountable. But here's the best part. Let me ask you, what's more difficult to confess to God or confess to a trusted person? Confessing to a person is easier than confessing to God? It's hard. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. How easy to go to God and confess quietly, right? No one knew about it. And that's quite okay. You should confess all your sins to God. But let me tell you, if you can get into the habit of confessing, and be careful who you confess to. First of all, you've got to figure out, are you confessing to a gossiper? Never do that. But if it is someone who you can trust and who can pray for you, confess your sins one to another. Now let me ask you, what's your first thought that goes through your mind when you think about confessing your sins to someone? I'll tell you what it is. What will the other person think of me, isn't it? Where does that question come from? Pride. You notice how we care about what other people think of us? So we don't want to talk anything about our trash. Why? We want our good image to be seen and maintained. And once you discover that life is not about what other people think about you, you get a new sense of freedom. Because you're only as good as what Christ has done in you. There's nothing good in you and I. So let's stop pretending. So I believe a good way to deal with pride is lower yourself a little. Confess your sins. Let me give you a third, and these are much more proactive things that I want to suggest. Do you know that proud people usually are not grateful to other people? They find it hard to tell other people thank you. First of all, they have a problem about being grateful, period, because they think they've done everything for themselves. But even so, and pride is usually that feeling of I'm superior to other people, I'm better than other people, other people owe me a lot. Uh, Here's another way that you can deal with your pride, and that is actually to go and verbalize to other people how grateful you are for what they've done, for who they are. Thank them. Even in our own church, I believe we can be much more uh, generous in gratitude to one another. For example, these chairs didn't self-arrange. Someone did it, isn't it? Ever thought about finding out who that is and being grateful? 
Look at all the ministries that take place. Ever said thank you to some of the people doing it? People on the worship team? I can go through a list of people. My question to you is, have you expressed your gratitude to someone else for what they've done, even if it was not for you, not for your children? See, because what you want to break is this whole attitude about it's all about me. How do you break that? Make it about other people. Thank them. Be grateful to them. Be generous to them. So start with God. If you can't start with God about emptying yourself, you'll never be able to do the other two. Confess your sins. That will really bring you down. It's good. You want to do that because God promises you if you humble yourself, what will he do for you? Lift you up. And you can humble yourself. That's my point. It's work. Not only will it cure your pride, it will deal with things in your life that otherwise you cannot deal with. And here's one sure one that will do you a lot of good. Serve other people. Serve other people. Don't choose who to serve. Just be willing to serve anybody. Go clean someone else's bathroom. Go help someone else. Don't just look out for people in your own socioeconomic educational class, people that you like, my friends. That's good. Help them too. But go out of your way, out of your comfort zone to serve someone who in your mind, and I hope you don't think like that, is not deserving. I hope you don't have that mindset of saying, oh, those people there. No, uh, everyone's equal in the sight of God. But when you serve other people, you're making it a lifestyle about, it's not about me, it's about you. Do it with joy. And your attitude ought to be, you're not doing charity work. That is, that is horrible, isn't it? When you do things for others and you, you feel and you make other people feel, I'm doing you a favor. That's horrible, that's pride. You serve other people because it's an absolute honor to serve other people. If I can serve you, the privilege is mine. That's the attitude you should have. Thank you for allowing me to serve you. You notice you've got to make it all about the other person. And if you can do that, life will be less about I. It'll be more about God and others. Let me wrap this up to say, God hates pride. It's sick. It's an abomination. It reminds him, when he sees pride in you and I, it reminds him of Lucifer. And if you want to deal with pride, there's only one way. Practice humility. You can't just say, okay, I'm not going to get proud anymore. It doesn't work. God has a cure for it. And I hope you and I can make this, even when it comes to our church, we should have an attitude, it's not about us. Everything is the gift of God, it's the grace of God. And, but for the grace of God, life would be different. And so, we're going to lower ourselves before God. We're going to lower ourselves even before people. Can you imagine a church, a Christian community in America 
that lives that way, I dare say it will be very attractive to people who don't know Christ. Where we don't claim our rights, we don't claim any of our privileges, but we say we're servants. Not looking for anything in return, but a pure honor to serve God and serve people. And if we don't get the credit, we're absolutely fine because that's not our reason for serving and living. Proud people have a problem with that. Proud people want credit for everything, and when they don't get it, they become difficult people. Proud people are not grateful. Proud people uh, have all the symptoms uh, that keep them apart from other people and not attract others to Christ. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. I can preach about pride. I can tell you about what's the cure for it. But I do want to give you a moment of silence. I've given you a couple of indicators of what pride looks like, how it works, how it thinks, how it views other people. Most of all, the fact that God hates it. And I want to give you a moment to allow God's spirit and God's word to work in your heart. And if you need to confess it, that's the best thing you can do. Confess, repent, lower yourself, and commit to humility. Father, my prayer this morning is that we would not think too highly of ourselves. Some of us probably even didn't realize how subtly proud, confident, arrogant we have become. It is an evil cancer that only you can heal, O oh God. And this morning my prayer for every one of us is that if you can be gracious to us, if you can show us the way out by showing us ways to become humble, may we have the guts, the courage, and the desire to give up our pride. Unless we nail the sin to the cross and surrender, Lord, there's no hope. Spirit of God, bring us to that point. Where like you, we can look at our own pride and say, that stinks. That is sick. The pride in me is an abomination. Oh, may we reach that point because then there will be hope for us.